0: Hi, friends. Welcome to the FBC Tuttle podcast. Thanks for joining us this week. We are so glad you're here. Each week on our podcast, you'll hear messages from our pastor, Brother Marty Williams. If you'd like to join us for worship, we meet every Sunday at 1045 a.m. Central in Tuttle, Oklahoma, and online at fbctuttle.net. Now, let's get started. Amen. Men, men, I forgot to tell you that not to be outdone for Mother's Day, I got you guys a lame gift, too. Lame to the extent that it just doesn't fully express our appreciation and love for you, okay? So anyway, they'll be available a minute. The doors we will have them as you leave. Uh, all of you guys can, uh, can pick one up. You know, last week I kind of introduced... <clears throat> you know, I'm not very good at preaching series because I always get distracted. And, uh, you know, last week I told you, though, that I was going to start this... Uh, series on looking at some of the promises of God. So, uh, so I'm going to be faithful in that and, uh, and do that. Um, you know, we, I kind of used as a launch point for that Jeremiah chapter 15 verse 16, where Jeremiah said, your words were found and I ate them, and your word was to me the joy and the rejoicing of my heart, for I am called by your name, O Lord of hosts. And uh, just, uh, just, uh, the, just the joy and, and what it means, you know, the Word of God to us. And uh, kind of uh, jokingly, I said last week that I doubt if uh, Jeremiah was reading about the judgment of God, you know, as he prophesied and was experiencing, uh, but more so the promises of God. So today I want to kind of continue in that. Last week we spoke about the promise of grace. And we define grace as God's provision for our every need when we need it. And the key verse was 2 Corinthians twelve nine, right? And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. So the first promise, the promise of grace. This week I want to look at another aspect of the promises of God. And that is the goodness of God. I mean, and that's kind of a strange thing uh, to, to think about. But, you know, the Psalm chapter 34 that I, that I had Caleb read to, to begin our service, I really had him read that passage primarily for verse 8, right? And, uh, and Proverbs 34, 8 says this, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. Or your translation may say happy is the man who trusts in him. And um, taste and see. And as I, as I studied that a little bit, it, it really... It, judge. Judge, determine for yourself. Taste and see. Judge, determine for yourself that the Lord is good. And I thought about, okay, well how... How was the the psalmist expecting them to taste and see? And I I think it's right there. And and by the way, this is not the message, right? This is just like the preamble to the message, right? Amen. It's good stuff though. You know, how how does the psalmist was expecting people to taste and see? And I think it's right there in those verses. In verse 4, he says, I sought the Lord and he heard me and he delivered me. Right. I sought the Lord, taste and see, by seeking the Lord. In verse 5, he said, they looked to him and were radiant and their faces were not ashamed. He looked to him and were joy-filled. Right. They looked to God. That's how we taste and see. Verse 6 says, and he cried out. He cried out and the Lord heard him and saved him. And I think that's how we taste and see, by crying out. And then lastly in verse 7 and verse 9, it is to fear Him. The word fear is to hold in honor and respect and awe the Lord. And I think the psalmist was saying that, that when those things characterize our lives, then we can taste and see or judge for ourselves. That the Lord is good. And you know, as, as I was thinking about that, you know, I've got this cool computer program, right? Where I just type in, Lord is good. And see how many times the Bible says that. And uh, in the Old Testament, the Bible says that eight different times. And, uh, and this isn't a message either, right? But it's good stuff. Right? So I'm going to put these. I'm going to put these verses on the screen for you. The first one that uh, that I uh, that I want to that I want to uh, just read to you, Psalm 135:3 says, "Praise the Lord for the Lord is good. Sing praises to His name for it is pleasant." Amen. Psalm 100, verse five: For the Lord is good; His steadfast love endures forever, and His faithfulness to all generations. There the, the goodness of the Lord is associated with His steadfast love and His faithfulness. Jeremiah 33.3 3 says, Praise the Lord of hosts, for the Lord is good. His mercy endures forever. The goodness of God associated with His mercy And then in the book of Lamentations, guys ever read the book of Lamentations? Probably not. Lamentations chapter 3, verse 25 says this, The Lord is good to those who wait for Him, to the soul who seeks Him. And then even Jesus, excuse me, in Nahum, uh, verse 1, chapter 7 says this, The Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble, And he knows those who trust in him. And then Jesus in Matthew chapter 19 verse 17 even says this. He said said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good but one. And that is God. God is good. Now Jesus was good too. He was just testing the guy that answered him that to understand that that he was God. Right? But God is good. And uh, you know, I want to uh, I want to preach on that a little bit this morning as as I think about this 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 term, good. God is good. What what does it mean? I mean, good is like a an umbrella kind of thing that we that we do, right? I mean, everything from be a good boy to ice cream is good, right? I mean, it just it encompasses everything that uh, you know that that we think about, and and I think it's pretty cool. The the Greek word. You know, when Jesus said, why do you call me good? No one is good but one, and that is God. The word that he used was the word agathos. And it uh, it is defined as, good describes that which being good in its character or constitution is beneficial in its effect. It's beneficial in its effect. And, uh, you know, an example of that is, you know, Jesus is teaching in, in Matthew chapter 7, right? And he says, "...what man is there of you whom, if his son asks bread, will give him a stone, or if he asks a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts..." Agathos, beneficial to your children, how much more shall your Father, which is in heaven, give good things to them that asks Him? God is good. The passage I want to preach from this morning, and honestly, I don't know that I'll get finished with it this morning. It's Romans chapter 8, verse 28. For many of you, it is probably... I see people nodding. For many of you, it's probably... a favorite verse in the Bible, right? It says this, And we know, we know that all things work together for good. Agathus. That that is beneficial. All things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to His purpose. This, this verse, I think, probably contains the most glorious promise in Scripture. Did I I say that last week about grace? I might have. I don't know. Because it encompasses absolutely everything that pertains to my life and to the Christian's life. Absolutely everything. That all things... All things work together for good. Now now, Paul starts this verse with this. And we know. And we know. Right, we know. This is not, this is not Paul guessing. This is not a hopeful thing that Paul is, is teaching. It's not an opinion that he has. But as an apostle, as a one who shares the revelation with God to us, and I think it's even more than that, Right? He says, and we know. We know. Now I gotta ask you, do you believe the word of God? Few of you do. No, I'm just kidding. Amen. We do. We believe the word of God. We believe that this book is was the inspired, is the inspired word of God, breathed out by the Holy Spirit. Unto men who wrote the very words of God. Men like Paul. And he says, and we know. And he used the word we. Who was he talking about? I don't really know for sure. I mean, Paul had traveling companions with him. Maybe maybe he's the one. Maybe they're the ones that were the we. Maybe the the church at Rome, right, that he was writing to knew. He said, and we, we know. We know, it's an absolute certainty, it's an absolute certainty for the Christian that every aspect of our lives is in God's hands and will be used by the Lord to manifest His glory and also to work it out into our ultimate blessing. That's an amazing truth. All things work together for good, that which is beneficial in its effect. You know, when I started studying that phrase, we know, a little bit, it seems that it, it carries, there's a lot of different words for know in Scripture. And the, the phrasing of that Scripture apparently carries the meaning of we, we can know. Right? It's not a foregone conclusion, Right? And, and you know, and, and and I understand that, right? Because it is not an automatic thing. Is it To to be able to really believe that all things work together for good? That is not an automatic thing for us to grasp and believe. Paul not only knew through God revealing that to him, but I am... I am sure that Paul also knew that through experience. You see, I think that's what the psalmist is talking about in Psalm 34. Right? Taste and see. Judge for yourselves. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Because you see, many times in Paul's life and his companion's life and in the life of of these Roman Christians and, frankly, in, in our own lives, right? I mean... The Lord had been sought, and he had been heard, and he had been delivered, and he had experienced joy. He had cried out, and he knew that the Lord had heard him, right? He knew that the angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him, and he delivers them. Those are all passages. Those are all things out of that Psalm chapter, chapter 34. Paul, Paul's experience was happiness for the one who, who trusts in God. What's the extent of this promise? How far, how far does all things work together for good actually go? Because you see, it seems like most of the time, a lot of us as believers think that there's some kind of an end to that somewhere. Right? Or that there's some kind of a timeline or a time's end to, to when those things ought to happen. But the passage clearly teaches that it's comprehensive. It is, it is all things, absolutely everything that happens in the life of a believer. Everything. What about, what about those things that, that hurt? Or that are painful? Or that are sorrowful? Caused me anguish. The Apostle Paul says, and the Word of God teaches, that absolutely everything, even the very worst things in our eyes, in our feelings, work for the benefit of the believer. The key, I think, part of the key is, is found at the end of that psalm thirty four verse eight right it says, Blessed or happy is the man who who trusts in him, who trusts in him and and sometimes I think we get to see it sometimes we get to see it you know i think about I think about, um, I think about uh, joseph right um, you know who, who who got to see or, or, or at least was able to vocalize what what he knew God, you know, was, was working on. You know, but our problem is, is we get terribly impatient, right? We start going through something that, that frankly, we would not define as good, right? I mean, we, we define good as health, wealth, and well-being, right? I mean, that's, that's kind of that's what I want, you know, the Lord to do in my life. God, that's, that's what's good, Right? But we all know that that is not the real experience of life. There are struggles and hardships and temptation and sin and sorrows and and all kinds of stuff. And and our our thoughts oftentimes are that that God is good if this ends. And if it ends like tomorrow, today would be better. Right? And, And sometimes, sometimes that happens. You know, but I, th- I think it's interesting that the passage in Lamentations that I read, right, said said what? It said, "The Lord is good to those who wait on Him." Who wait on Him? You know, James, right, says uh, says that uh, that we should be that we should be counted all joy when we fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of our faith produces patience, and that patience when it has its perfect work completes us where we lack nothing. But we're not we're not a very we're not a very patient people. Perfect example in scripture is Joseph, right? In Genesis chapter 50 Right, Joseph, after, after being hated by his brothers, sold into slavery, um, accused and convicted of assault, sexual assault, thrown in prison, forgotten about in prison, right? Ends up the number two guy in all of Egypt. And when his brothers come to him dependent upon him, for food. For their very ability to live. They are dependent upon the one they sold into slavery. And they are rightfully scared to death. Dad's not there to protect us anymore. They even said, dad told us to tell you to be nice to us. I mean, basically. That's a bit of a paraphrase. but. And Joseph had the wisdom... And the foresight and the patience to say, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. You meant it for evil, but God meant it to be a benefit to you and to all people. Sometimes we, we, get to, we get to see the good, right? How, how God meant it for good. But sometimes we don't. Sometimes we don't see that. We have to trust. We have to trust and believe the Word of God, right? That all things work together for good. But it's also, it's also a conditional promise. And uh, one of these days one of these weeks coming probably, I'm going to teach a little bit on promises of God that are conditional on different things, right? Because there's promises of God to all kinds of people, right? This promise is a conditional promise, right? It says, and we know, we know we are convinced, we know beyond a shadow of a doubt, we know it's just part of knowing who God is, we know that all things... All things, everything that happens, how everything is intertwined, all things work together for good to those who love God and are the called according to His purpose. And, and th- that's not two conditions, by the way, to love God and to be one of the called according to His purpose. Those are the, those are the same things, right? Those who love God, those who are called. From the, from the human perspective, we are those who love God. From God's perspective, we are those that have been called to be His children. We don't understand how all of that works, but it's true. But one, one who is a believer, so that's what it amounts to, one who is a believer, one who is a disciple, loves God. And, and 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 loving God is is much, much more than acknowledging God or acknowledging that there is a God or even believing that a God exists. Loving God is way more than that, right? James again says in in James chapter 2 verse 19, he says, you believe that there is one God, you do well. Even the demons believe that. So it, it's not just believing in God. There's more. True, true saving faith, the kind, of, the kind of faith that is demonstrated by those who love God and by those who are the called according to His purpose. True saving faith in, involves surrendering our sinful selves to God, for forgiveness. And receiving Christ Jesus as our Lord and Savior. And the first mark of that true believer is a love for God. Love for God is closely related to forgiveness. Amen. Because those that have been redeemed... Those of us who's who's the blood of Christ paid for our sin and we have accepted that, we have repented of our sins and trusted in the blood of, of Jesus to do that, we are grateful for our forgiveness. Amen? Jesus told the Pharisees, right, the Pharisees jumped all over him one day for allowing a sinful woman, it was probably a prostitute, allowing a sinful woman to worship at his feet and to wash his feet. And Jesus said, she loves me much because she's been forgiven much. The mark of one who has been forgiven is a love for God. But also, the love for God is marked by obedience. Jesus said, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do the things I say? You see, it was it was inconceivable. It is inconceivable. That a child of God that has been forgiven, been adopted into the kingdom of God. That God promises good things. We we are a people that seek to obey. The psalmist says, as the deer pants for water, so my soul longs for you, O God. The Christian that this promise, the person... That this promise is for is the believer, is only the believer. Now our love for God is not perfect, is it? You know, as as long as, as we are in this fleshly body, we are going to have some struggles. These bodies were not created to last forever. They are finite. We are created to last forever. But these bodies aren't. And we're going to go through some stuff we'd rather not go through. My wife was asking some folks this weekend, you know, do you know anything about arthritis? I'm thinking I'm getting arthritis. You know? And uh, I mean, hey, could be. You know what? Things happen. We live in a fallen world that is tainted by sin. Paul, just a little bit earlier in this passage in Romans chapter 8, talks about the groanings of creation right? This earth, this planet, us, we are not what the the perfectness that God created man to be. We live in a fallen world and we are fallen people and we're going to struggle with some stuff. We're going to struggle with some temptation and we're going to fall. We're going to say things that we shouldn't say. We're going to hurt people. God would never have us to hurt. We're going to have our feelings hurt by people, that God would never have that to happen. There's, there's just stuff that's going to happen that, uh, that we are that we're, we're not perfect. But nonetheless, is your love for God real and growing? Do you long for the presence of God? Are you thankful for the forgiveness of sin? Are you walking in the light and the will of God as best you know it? In obedience to His word and to His will? If so, this promise is for you. All things all things work together for good. To those that love God and to those that are called according to His purpose. I pray that God would give us eyes to see the good as He did Joseph. But you know what? Even even if He doesn't, will we trust Him enough To continue to walk in faith and obedience, knowing that regardless of what happens, regardless of what we see, regardless of what we feel, that we can trust and know that God is working all things for our good, to our benefit. That's a tremendous truth. Amen? Amen, I think i'm going to quit right there. there's more to talk about with this verse, and i may get and I may get back to it another time, but you know what we when we when we live when we live in a fallen world and we experience the the stuff of that sorrow, loss sickness hurt sometimes we lose sight of the fact that God is good. And over and over in Scripture, it is confirmed that God is good. And He, even though he, he causes the sun to shine and He allows the rain to fall on the godly and the ungodly, the promise that all things, all things in life work together for my good, that's just for me. And it's just for you. I pray that God would give us eyes to see that. Hey friends, before you go, if you have a prayer request, we invite you to send us an email at prayforyou@att.net. That's P-R-A-Y, the number four, Y-O-U, at att.net. Or call the church office at 405-381-2492. If you'd like to learn more about our children's, youth, men's, women's, or senior adult ministries, visit our website at fbctettle.net. Thanks again for joining us today. We love you, and we hope you have a blessed week.